0: Hello, and welcome to The Warrior's Cry. It's been a long time coming, and I haven't done a podcast in a very long time. So I'm excited to bring to you a new episode. So today, I actually put out a feeler on Facebook uh, because, as a lot of you know, we're stuck at home due to the coronavirus. And uh, as a result, I'm stuck at home. And I figured, hey, what better time to bring back the podcast? So, I had Melinda Estefano reach out. Melinda Estefano Indal, <laughs> Which... I do say that a couple of times in the actual recording, but I had her reach out and basically say that she'd like to be on a podcast, and we actually have a few people that want to be on a podcast this week, and so I'm going to do multiple podcasts this week uh, over the next few uh, days and uh, weeks, and uh, just to try to give people uh, some entertainment to listen to and to hear the life-changing message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so, uh, as a lot of you know, I record these after I actually do the interview, and this interview, uh, this conversation with Melinda was beautiful, and I look forward to you listening to it. So, without further ado, here's Melinda Endal. So, Hello and welcome to the Warrior's Cry COVID-19 Stuck in the Home Edition, Episode 1. <laughs> I was bored today, and so I reached out on Facebook and uh, sent out a uh, a request for people to join on podcast, and one of my favorite people in the whole world, Melinda, reached out and said she'd like to do one, and so I wanted to introduce all my listeners who are going to tune into this episode to Melissa uh Melinda Endall, is that how you say it? Yes. Estefano. <laughs>
1: Estefano is my middle name, yeah.
0: Oh, okay. Okay, so Melinda Endall. <laughs> yeah. You have you got all th- it. <laughs> you have all three names on Facebook, so it's uh kind of hard I for know. Me to know.
1: <laughs> it's the maiden name thing, you know, we girls gotta get found by our high school friends, so <laughs>
0: That's one good thing about being a guy, right?
1: <laughs> right, yeah. No, I, I don't mind it, but it does make for a mouthful for her. Sure. I right. answer to just about anything that starts with an M. Melanie, Melissa, Mel, Melly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I'll tell you, one of the things that I, I love about you, Melinda, is when you got a copy of my book uh, a while ago, you posted a Facebook Live video, and that was probably one of the most uh, heartfelt live videos that I think I've seen in a long time, and it was just an exciting thing to see just just how you took that particular uh, devotional uh, to the level you did, and I just got really excited, and uh, that's one of the reasons why you're one of my favorite people, so I'm glad you could join um, me today.
1: Thank you, James. I love your book, and um, I... I love to um, encourage and support brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. And um, I just really appreciate your devotional. It's full and rich. And also um, I know that, you know, it was amazing how um, I had just started kind of co-leading a small uh, group of young girls at my son's high school and um the day after i found out how many girls i was going to have it was going to be 10 girls and then myself and another uh, uh, lady leading the group Um i think the next day a package arrived from you with your um, devotional books and there were exactly 12 in the box um and it was interesting because i think you had contacted me and asked me if i had uh, your book still, and I had given it away actually my my one copy, so um I was able to actually bless the girls with those at Christmas time, and I just really appreciate your generosity um in reaching out and just I know Holy Spirit kind of spoke that to you' because you knew exactly the right number to send
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, and, so and amazing. Was kind of What's kind of funny about that story was uh, when I'd reached out to you to ask you if you'd finished reading the book and you'd said you'd given my the copy away, I was like, well, let me, uh, if she's going to give copies away, I might as well give her a few extra copies because then she could <laughs> give more copies away. And so uh, I just... I reached into my big box, and I pulled out 12. and uh, Amazing. And I stuck them all in the box, and in your copy, I did my little wine stain autograph in.
1: I love that. That's, like, forever. <laughs> I'm not giving that one away ever, so that one's staying, that one's staying with me. Well, good. <laughs> the wine stain. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and so uh, uh, so I pulled out the 12, boxed them up, sent them to you, and then you said that that was the perfect number, and I thought, man, that's yeah that's Holy spirit right there. Cause I didn't plan yeah. that. I just reached into the box and 12 came out, you know?
1: Yeah. And, yeah. And so, Amen. Uh, that's really so good.
0: Cool. <laughs> so, uh, so you good. know, during this season of, uh, you know, fear and, uh, um, people hiding in their homes because we we're kind of told to, and trying to keep us social distanced from each other. um, one of the things that I found over the last few days that has kind of been exhausting to me is that I don't really have a whole lot of fellowship with anybody locally, because when I had my deconstruction, um, mm-hmm. I had, a I had a lot of people turn their back on me and kind of push me away. And so I don't really have a lot of people close by that I can really call on and, you know, and and uh, spend time with, and and during this season, being kind of cooped up in the house, it gets really boring. <laughs> and so, uh, <laughs> I know that there's a lot of people that are facing that right now, and uh, you know, uh, a lot of people that are out of work. And um, I just mm-hmm. wanted to kind of do a little podcast about, you know, talking about fear. You mentioned that you wanted to talk about, you know, um, ignorance is bliss. Um, and we can just kind of randomly kind of go into different topics, um, but just to give people something to to do, if they want to listen to the Warriors cry and share it, you know, I invite sure. you to do so. <clears throat> so, uh, so before we begin, Melinda, um, how mm-hmm. long have you been in the finished work camp?
1: Um... Well also before we begin I just wanted to thank you for reaching out and just for the opportunity to be with you during this time and Oh yeah just absolutely honored to share and park in your boredom
0: <laughs> <laughs> Well thanks and for hopefully uh... we
1: trans hopefully we transform that <laughs> into something exciting and fun which I'm already am feeling that so yeah. um yeah um well I I um when I I mean, I can go way back when I was seven years old, a Baptist woman knocked on my door and said, do you want to know um, that you can go to heaven when you die? And of course, I said, yes, you know, I want to know. And she said, all you have to do is ask Jesus to come into your heart. And um, so at seven years old, I envisioned this little Jesus walking into my heart, you know, and I remember telling him if I ever do anything that makes you want to leave my heart, please come back. And um, so that was when I was seven. From there, I went through all different denominations. I was uh, Catholic for a while. I was independent fundamental Baptist for um, several years. That was um, my deepest um, time of like kind of indoctrination. Um, And then... I kind of hit um, a really big wall of um, I can't keep this up. <laughs> um, and it kind of went off the deep end for a while because um, uh, the legalism that I had grown up with was just very intense, um, a lot of you know behavior modification and focus on sin consciousness. Um And it was a very human centric gospel that I was kind of involved in. Everything had to do with what I did. And, um, you know, I was, I taught Sunday school when I, when I was 12, I started teaching Sunday school. I did bus ministry. I knocked on doors. I, you know, led people to Jesus through the Romans road and asked them if they were going to go to hell or heaven and kind of like what the lady did with me when I was seven. And um then uh, when in, I, I kind of was just at a rock bottom and um, I had gotten pregnant. Um, I was about to have an abortion. I went to the abortion clinic and um, the woman said to me, "Um, you know, you're too, you're too um, early in your pregnancy to get an abortion. (laughs) And um, when I tell that story, people are like, that's impossible. Um, And I know that that was just, a a supernatural protection I felt like angelic presence around me um, in keeping me and um, so a couple weeks later I ended up um, hemorrhaging and losing the pregnancy losing the baby and at that point I said to the Lord I kind of felt like the prodigal son you know if you'll just take me back um, I said I'll never put you in a box again And, um, so after that, a friend invited me to, um, a non-denominational church and, um, it was a charismatic church and I had never experienced like the presence of God in kind of an encounter or in worship like that before. And I went in and, um, just began to feel God's presence and it was almost too much for me, James. I... I literally like kind of had to go in like increments of time. Um, because I had never experienced that kind of weighty presence before and it was almost too much. Um and so soon after that I just began to really learn about grace. Um, one of the pastors there had told me, um, she said, I just feel like the Lord is saying, I'm so pleased with you. She was like, What? he's pleased with me you can't be hearing correctly because I'm a sinful worm you know (laughs) that was my mindset oh yeah and so fast forward to several years um about to about three or four let's see four years ago now um yeah 2016 um we were living in Europe and we had no community there. It was um, There was a few international churches that we were able to go to, but they were really far away. And so it was really a time of isolation for me and solitude. And so um, I was on Facebook one day and I saw a friend who posted a scripture. And I read the scripture and it like was a lightning bolt in my being. I, Said, what is this? and she said this is the mirror bible. Was like what? i have never heard anything like this before. and so i went on amazon and i ordered the the mirror bible is the red one at the time francois du toys um mirror bible and underneath there it said um if, uh, people that have ordered this book have also ordered these, you know, and it had John Crowder's Mystical Union and The Ecstasies of Loving God, and so I ordered those as well. And <laughs> that that began to literally, I I I was I I thought to my, I mean I was speechless. I'm like what I am right now. Blah, blah, blah. Like what? in the world how where was this this is really good news like this is almost too good to be true like my brain was almost like exploding with the things that were being um explained and revealed and shown to me about the goodness of god about the cross and everything that christ accomplished and finished and completed Um, just the, the, our, our origin, um, where we came from, we came from a Trinity that absolutely loved one another, that loves one another. Um, just, it was mind boggling. And I told my husband, I said, honey, you have to read this book. And I remember walking in on him one day, he was laying on the couch with mystical union opened up on his chest and he had tears rolling down his eyes. And I said to him, what's going on? He goes, why haven't we ever heard this before? And, um, so yeah, that kind of was a a kind of not, not brief, but kind of a, a synopsis of, uh, the journey that, uh, the Lord had me on in, um, wooing me and Um, drawing me in and revealing himself to me. And nobody beat me over the head. Nobody yelled and screamed. Nobody was, you know, frothing at the mouth or sweating or crying out like I was used to, you know, from my Baptist days. It was just very uh, quiet, tender, good, and kind. And um, it was a kindness that I had never experienced before. Um, a fatherhood and a motherhood and a brotherhood that was so real
0: mm-hmm.
1: and so all in thing um, and so loving and so um, intent on my, on my benefit. Um, it caused me to feel so secure to realize, I think the last thing that really kind of began to crumble for me was um, penal substitutionary atonement and um you know learning through um as i joined Cana seminary at john's john crotter's online school and got to hear eric wilding and rod williams and c baxter kruger and matt spinks um they really began to unfold scripture to me and um when c baxter taught about taught us about the trinity and how the Father loves the Son and the Son loves the Father and the Spirit and they all love each other and they're face to face. And God was in Christ reconciling the entire cosmos unto himself, realizing that Father could never turn his back on his son. And when Jesus cries out, he cries out of our pain and our darkness and our feeling of separation, our feeling of um isolation. You know, he wasn't he wasn't crying out of his own. And um that just really, um, eradicated my whole mindset around, um, my whole, uh, around life and salvation and everything, um, that, and then, you know, where it took me there. Then the last one was my, my belief in, um, eternal conscious torment. And the Lord actually really just took me into that. And he said, I just want you to look for wherever hell sheol." Um, Tartarus, um, Hades, Gehenna are mentioned, just look look at those, look at those uh, verses and look at those words. I was like, you know what, this doesn't mean what I always thought it meant. And um, so in the end, every rock that he had me turn over was, I found I found goodness. I found his love. I found, he, he found, I found that he was really finding me. I found that really he had been pursuing me Mm -hmm. and um, everything initiates in his pursuit and his initiation of us, of of relationship and intimacy and union with us. And it's it's magnificent.
0: That's so good, Melinda. (laughs) Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Um, Thank you. So uh, you know, my introduction in all this was uh, uh I met uh and 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 I'm sure you know of him on Facebook, but I met Anthony Golden. Uh Aww, through, Anthony. Yeah, I met him through Facebook and yeah. uh we had a mutual friend and he sent me a friend request and he just started commenting on a lot of my posts and uh before I had my awakening slash deconstruction slash reconstruction slash everything (laughs) Mm, um yes he uh he blew my mind one time we were sitting outside and and i was talking to him about something i don't even remember what it was and um i mentioned to him that you know the warrior's cry has been around since 2012 2013 but the podcast itself has been around since 2016 and Mm. uh my awakening came in August of 2017. So I was wow. making podcasts with, uh, Dr. Michael Brown and, um, Caesar Kalinowski and several renowned speakers and ministers from all over the country. And, uh, mm-hmm. I even had a missionary from China on there, uh, all before yeah. I had my awakening and, uh, And I remember I was talking to Anthony and one of my mission statements of the warrior's cry was to love your neighbor as yourself, love, love your God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. That was like the two big things that I, I really believed, but I still believed in eternal conscious torment. I still believed that there was a lot of stuff that I had to do. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, And I remember sharing that with him whenever I was talking to him one day. And he goes, well, hey, let me twist your nugget for a minute. And he said, do you know that those don't apply anymore? And I said, what Hmm. do you mean? And he said, well, before Jesus was crucified, he was with his disciples. And he said, "Um, I leave you with a new commandment. Love Hmm. each other as I have loved you. Hmm. And this fulfills the entirety of everything. It it it, it mm-hmm. is everything. And yeah. I started digging into that. And then next thing I know, I got an email from Anthony, which contained an audiobook of um, Mystical Union.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And before I listened, <laughs> before I listened to it, I I had some experience with John Crowder in the past and i didn't mm-hmm. like him i i had a hard time with him i struggled with some of the stuff that i heard him uh say on facebook and and i just kind of wrote him off cuz he he bothered me and um mm-hmm. and a good friend of mine introduced me to him a while ago and and so i just kind of wrote him off and the next thing i know i'm getting this book sent to my email and mm-hmm. anthony told me he's like promise me you'll listen to this and mm-hmm. i wasn't going to listen to it but at the time you know, my mom was on her deathbed and, uh, I was driving back and forth, um, to Charlotte essentially to visit my mom Mm. and my stepfather. And so it's about a two and a half hour drive. So I would listen to it on the way down there and back and forth, back and forth. And I remember listening to this thing and screaming at John Crowder in the car, (laughs) you know, um, like screaming at him and saying that he's full of crap and you know, you, you can't stop sinning. like up until this point, I struggled with pornography and lust and, you know, Mm. and even though I called myself a believer, I still had a lot of struggles. And, um, and, and I remember just sitting in my car and just yelling, just like Mm. at the top of my lungs at John Crowder telling him he was full of crap. And
1: um It was the Warriors Cry.
0: It yeah, essentially, (laughs) yeah. And so uh I remember I was I went to the grocery store one day when I was down at my mom's house and uh I had a Bluetooth earpiece in, and I was listening to the Mystical Union while I was walking around, and I remember him saying something in there, and I don't remember what chapter it was in, but he basically said read Romans six every day for a year. And your whole theology will be turned on its head mm-hmm. and um and so I was like all right john i'll I'll take your challenge on that and so I read Romans six like four mm-hmm. times that day, the next day I read it four or five times, the next day I read it four or five times, and by the end of the week, my theology had basically been turned on its head, and yeah um and all of a sudden, like Anthony started opening up to me and sharing more of this finished work message with me because now I was ready to hear it. I was hungry for it. And, uh, you know, from that moment on, I was able to basically flip a switch and I no longer struggle with pornography. I no longer struggle with lust. Um, and you know, it's, it's one of those things that, uh, that it's hard to believe that it's been almost, It'll be three years in August this year um, since I've struggled with it. And so um, it's a life changing message. And all of a sudden, I went from being an angry, conspiratorial, addicted to politics, um, addicted to pornography guy, angry all the time, upset all the time, to a guy that had a constant smile on his face, laughing at the most inappropriate times. Um, and, you know, and this whole time when I was going through all this, I was on the praise and worship team at my church. And Mm -hmm. up until that point, I was angry, upset, conspiratorial. I, I thought, you know, everybody was out to get me and, you know, and and, and all this kind of stuff. And then next thing you know, I'm going to practice and I've got a big smile across my face and, Mm -hmm. you know, and I'm laughing and I'm just joyful and. And I remember my worship pastor looking at me and she goes, um, what did you do with our James? Yeah. And, <laughs> and so I started, I started sharing the finished work message and, uh,
1: I, I started sharing
0: <laughs> all of this stuff in, in our green room. And, mm. um, lo and behold, it caused a lot of issues um mm-hmm. and i ended up stepping down from the praise and worship team and leaving that church because i essentially offended somebody because we were talking one sunday about unbelievers and mm-hmm. uh how we got to reach out to them we got to reach out to them and i i looked at the lady that was saying that and i said i don't i don't believe in calling them unbelievers anymore and she looked at me and she said what do you mean and i said Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. You know, Mm -hmm. it it, it doesn't matter who they are, it doesn't matter if they're Buddhist, Muslim, Mormon, um, atheist, Satanist, whatever. They're all gonna bow their knee and they're all gonna Mm -hmm. see that Jesus is Lord. So I don't call them unbelievers, I call them pre-believers.
1: Pre-believers,
0: yeah. And uh and and she changed the subject immediately. And I knew at that point that I had offended somebody in the room. And then I got a call about a week later before practice. And they asked me to step down and, uh, from, from practice that week and to let them figure out what was going on and what I had said to offend people or whatever. And so I took that opportunity to just kind of step back and take a breath and, uh, spend time on the church of James, you know, Um, and, and that's essentially what I've been doing for a long time. And as Mm -hmm. a consequence of that, I've lost a lot of the fellowship that I had. And one of the thing that, one of the things that I am struggling with is even though I'm, I'm not a, what's the word? I'm not a, uh, I can't think of the word. I'm, I'm kind of an isolationist to some extent. Like I like my alone time. I like to be an introvert. Alone. Yeah. But I've also got some extrovert tendencies. That's the word I was looking for. Mm-hmm. And okay. so, you know, like in certain scenarios, I'm very extroverted. Like when I was on stage with the praise and worship team, I could dance around, have a big smile on my face, you know, and, and all of that. But after praise mm-hmm. and worship was done, I was ready to be alone, you know? Um, yeah. But not having that moment where I can be around people and kind of share my heart, it's just it's really difficult for me. And so that's kind of what I've been going through here lately. And I listened to this. um Have you ever watched on YouTube Good Mythical Morning?
1: Yes, I loved your post today. I haven't had a chance to listen to them, but my kids used to watch them all the time. Yeah. So I'm I'm curious to see um, the one that you posted about their deconstruction.
0: Well, it's two separate videos. It's about three hours long to listen to both of them. But, oh wow! Um, okay. But you know, listening to Rhett, I can identify with, a lot with Rhett and link both of them but um one of the things that that just really struck me today was just listening to um them bare their hearts and and talk about how their entire faith basically crumbled because they refused to believe in a god that would send people that had no choice to hell and yeah. they refused to believe that uh, a god would punish someone for for being gay or um for struggling with certain addictions or whatever and 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 it broke my heart because this is kind of the thing that's going on in a lot of our churches and i really see that as hurting the body more than it's helping the body if that makes sense
1: yeah i I think that what we are, what I believe that um, the Reformation that's happening right now is there is a Reformation happening um, in Christendom. And um, it's really coming back to um, Christology and um, Christ as the representation of the Father. And so we're coming back to this idea of um, Trinity and incarnation, and what do what that the central theme of our faith being founded in this familial relationality and this intimacy. And so when we do that, then we see God. From not from a distance, not someone who is disgusted with us, not someone who cannot look at us in our sin, but a father, a loving father and a perfect husband. And how does a perfect attentive husband treat his wife and his bride? And how does a perfect loving father treat his children? And if we look at even earthly fathers and earthly husbands that aren't, per you know, maybe walking in that holy perfection, um even that you know society can say, "Oh, that's a good father he look at how he's attending to his child, look how he's taking care of his child if his child makes a mistake or you know poops his diaper or you know how however much you want it, however far along on the growth chart you want to take that, that father is there caring for that child with perfect unconditional love and um that husband is there protecting his bride you know serving his bride um and caring for his bride and so if we begin to see our father god in those through that lens through the lens of how christ showed up in in his incarnation how he represents He served. He cared. He healed. He attended to. He ate. He he broke bread. He drank wine. He celebrated. He had relationality all the time. Relationality. Um, We can see that. Okay, you know homosexuality. The way the church has been interacting with these kinds of situations, homosexuality, and I think the other things that you had mentioned um, about throwing your child in hell and things like that um, it's it's just begins to be a different perspective and then the question is how how does how do we have this mindset of this Molech God this Janus God this Zeus like God you know and where did we get those perspectives and where did they come from And, you know, then that begins to challenge some thoughts and some constructs, and then that begins to either cause a person to say, hey, I've got to look at this, or what about this, or it offends them to the point of shutting you down or shutting other people out, and um, which is probably what I think you were describing that you experienced. Um, because man, you can, you can preach God is holy and just, and people are like, yeah, but you preach God is unconditional love and grace. And it's like, wait a minute. <laughs> but- That's too good to be true.
0: That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But you're right. It's, it's definitely a thing that is, uh, it it's an amazing uh, thing to think about. And it's like I've seen more and more people deconstructing these last few years. People that that I've been really close to. Like uh I've got a really good friend of mine who unfortunately uh just recently went through a divorce. Um and he had his own deconstruction and he's actually the one that originally introduced me to John Crowder like 10 years ago um and uh he's he's going through this situation where his his wife and him got married at really young ages and and they've got five kids together and she's getting a little older and i think um she's going through kind of a midlife crisis scenario where she mm-hmm. feels like she's never really experienced life and so she wants to experience life and go out there mm-hmm. and and uh and and do her thing, right? Um, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and not not really worry about what it does to him or the kids or the family, but um, but that's unfortunately what he's going through. And I remember talking to him after all of this, and he had started going to uh Jewish synagogue, and I remember talking to him one time, and he said uh that the Jews actually have a better picture of grace than Christians do. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought that it kind of like set me back for a second. I'm like, how, <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: how, but grace is built into their faith and mm-hmm. Jesus just came to expound on that grace. And we just, yeah. we never really understood that. And you're right. I think over the last, I think Christianity as it is today has become a philosophical more in your mind kind of religion than it is an yeah. experiential faith, right? Yeah. Uh, right. And and I think that's why we we tend to rationalize and say, "Well, God doesn't like when we do this, so if we continue doing it, we're going to go to hell." Um mm-hmm. and and it, it's just easier for us to tell other people that, too. And I'm okay to say that I don't know everything, but I can say that Jesus said it's finished. You know? Yeah. And. Well,
1: and I think a lot of those areas are, you know, about our identity. So, you know, a lot of these issues that, you know, when we realize that we're in union with the Godhead, when we're included in the life of the Trinity. When we realize that Christ really is the mediator, even of our faith, we don't have, you know, to produce anything in this salvation. He has supplied. That's what grace does is it supplies. And I think maybe that's the portion that you were speaking of in concerning Judaism is there is a supply right there is the sacrifice that is supplied for them um but religion makes demands and so it's a constant when if you are if you're going to constantly be given to the demands of performing the demands of modifying your behavior the demands of you know not being all the things that the world says you you should or you know like A a wife who feels she's missed out um, because she doesn't maybe know her identity in her union with Christ and hasn't felt the satisfied life that he lives, you know, vicariously. We get to experience everything that Christ has experienced in him in the Trinity. It's mystical, but it is his faith. And so if, if we're depending on ourselves and our own behavior and our own capacity and our own identity, then it becomes very, um, dead and frustrating. And, you know, people lose sight of who they truly are, or maybe have not even known who they truly are because they haven't found themselves in the secret, which is Christ in you. You know, that is really the ultimate secret of God's Father, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, according to Colossians. And um, that for me was the, the, the one thing that began to really make transformation in my life. Whenever I began to feel like I needed to do something to change myself, um, you know, I don't know if you can look back on, you had mentioned the pornography or the other things that you were angry and things like that. Like if I look back on the, the those areas in my life where I was constantly looking at going, okay, I've got to apply a scripture to this or I've got to change this, you know, this whole sanctification process thing. Um, if I look back on that, after I understood my identity in Christ, that I am in Christ and He is in me and we're in the Father, then that those things just began to kind of fall away. I don't know how. I don't remember how. It just I I woke up and things were different. I was different. His transformation was actually manifesting in my life supernaturally. I couldn't explain it, but I knew that it wasn't dependent on me for the first time in my life. I could relax. I could rest. I could actually go take a breath and go, oh, this doesn't depend on me getting it right. It's all on him. He got it right. And that is the most glorious good news. That's miraculous. He did it all perfectly and I get to live in that. That offers me when he offers me eternal life. And I don't have to make this whole thing about behavior modification. I get to just live in in the reality of who he is and he's a perfect obedient he's perfect worship he's perfect repentance all that he has accomplished I get to be included in and I get to partake in the divine nature effortlessly and he's done that I didn't do that Christ in me he did that I didn't do that it's so freeing but if we don't know that and I don't know my identity then I start looking for it in all these different places because I'm not satisfied and we were made to live satisfied.
0: <laughs> I think it was, uh, Brian Schultz. He sang a song. Um, I can't remember the name of the song, but he was talking about how, um, we were made, uh, no, 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 no. I'm getting it mixed up. It was John, um, dang it. I can't think of his name now. Um. Let me look it up real quick. Uh. Antiana? Yeah, 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 yeah. So his newest mm-hmm. album, he made a song on there, and it's called Made for Jesus. And mm. and he said that uh in the song, it it basically he's singing that we were made to walk in the cool of the day. We were made to be yeah in union with Jesus and yeah. we were made to be in communion with Jesus, not yeah. just union, but communion. And, yeah. um, and, and I just, I remember hearing that song for the first time and I was doing inventory at work and, and I, I ended up laying down on the floor and just belting out a hmm. laugh because just to know that, <laughs> that Jesus never did anything on his own, that he included us in it, you know, like, yeah. Uh, Romans 6 talks about how we were co-crucified with Jesus, you know, Yeah. and, you know, uh, in Galatians chapter 2, it talks about that we were crucified with Christ, and we were co-buried, and we were co-resurrected, and now we are seated in heavenly places at the right hand of Jesus. He never did anything on his own, but he included us in it, you know.
1: In every part, yes. Even in the Ascension, like I was reading about the Ascension the other day through C. Baxter, and he was like, we never talk about the Ascension, but do we understand that the Ascension means that a human being is seated at the right hand of Almighty? Like, it's truly miraculous when we think about that. And, you know, he he has included us even in that to be co-seated with him. It's, yeah, it's spirit you know, it's, it's spirit and, um, it's, you have a lot
0: of, you have a lot of Christians out there that, that, that preach that Jesus is no longer in the flesh. You know, you've got Mm -hmm. people like TD Jakes who believes that there is no Trinity and, and that Jesus Mm -hmm. is just a manifestation of the father and a manifestation of the Holy spirit. I really don't understand how they get to that, but, you know, we are seated in Jesus. Like literally Jesus Mm -hmm. is flesh in the Trinity. He is flesh (laughs) in the Trinity. And if the flesh is in the Trinity, then that means that my flesh is not dirty or filthy or Mm -hmm. disgusting. You know, my flesh, my flesh is holy, you know, because he is holy. It's, it's like,
1: sorry, go go ahead. ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, just was going to say sanctification. I love what John says. Sanctification is not a process. You know, aren't you glad that circumcision isn't a process? You know, <laughs> aren't you glad that circumcision is a one-time deal? You know, and I love what you're saying about Romans 6 as well. Romans 5 and 6. I, I, I lived in those chapters. I, I still go back and live and dwell in those chapters because they tell me who I am. And this world's mindset, this world system. I was reading one day and John in John, um, and First John says, Love not the world, neither of the things that are in the world. For if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And I, of course, you know, this, this, all this is, do you want to call it deconstruction? I call it looking through the lens of Jesus, right? Now, every single scripture that ever, that I ever feel demands something of me, I, I look now through Christ because he fulfills all the demands. And so that scripture was one of those that felt like it was demanding something of me. And so I said, father, what, you know, what is this about? And he said, if you look at the world system, it's it demands performance and it, it gives reward based on performance. So it's about reward and punishment. And if you live in that, if any man loves the world, the, love of the Father is not in him. When you, when you live loving that system of performance and reward and punishment, you can't feel my love in you. You can't experience my love. You can't live in my love because my love is unconditional. My love doesn't require of you. My love gives and serves you. And so when I began to understand that this love is is so reliant and dependent and sourced only in him then it began to free me from me having to do something perform something be something it began I began to experience what it felt like to be identified in that love and um, and I, you know, I think like Francois says in the Mirror Bible, we're experiencing an identity crisis. And um, that causes so much confusion. When we come back to the fact that God is love in his triune being, and we were born out of that love, that is who I am. Those things begin to fall away. And you're right. We're, my flesh is, you know, is like his flesh. It's, you know, he, in he entered our flesh and he conquered it <laughs> and he, you know, beat back the darkness and the confusion of that fallen mindset that my flesh had. And he took me into himself and crucified me with him in a mystical way. And then we were co-buried and, co-resurrect co-died co-buried co-resurrected and co-ascended just like you were saying that it's a great mystery but you know when holy spirit resonates that in your spirit by grace through faith it's transformational nothing is ever the same and you can't see anything the same again
0: everything lives and moves and has its very being in him (laughs)
1: Uh, amen
0: and uh (laughs) we don't really understand that and i think um you know getting back to to kind of where i had my falling out with my church you know when i was talking about pre-believers and and all of that you know it's Mm -hmm. like to be able to truly look at someone and realize how loved they are by father Yeah yeah no matter beautiful it's so
1: freeing it is so freeing absolutely It, it frees me from it frees me from you know if i truly enter into the depth of it it can free me from judging it can free me from having to fix them it can free me from feeling like i have to save them or rescue them or or control them or change them like freedom that comes from that mindset alone, like that all really does mean all, (laughs) it's amazing.
0: It ultimately doesn't matter what we have done in our lives. Jesus took it all on himself and crucified it. Yeah. It, It ultimately doesn't matter. And to be able to look at my brother and my sister, whether they, you know, think they are a Buddhist or a Satanist or a Mormon or whatever. It it doesn't Whatever really, they think
1: they are. <laughs> whatever they think they
0: are, they yeah. are included, you know, because yeah. everything lives and moves and has its very being, its very existence, its very yeah. breath is in him, you know? Yeah.
1: He holds all things together, and there is not anything that is held together... That isn't held together in him. By him, all things consist.
0: The cosmic (laughs) Christ.
1: Completely reconciling the entire cosmos unto himself. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the entire world, the entire human race, all of it takes all of it away. I mean,
0: yeah. Hmm. (laughs) so speaking some hope right now since a lot of us are stuck in our homes and you know and and told not to leave our homes and you know this morning I I got out of my house and went to the grocery store for the first time in five days I haven't been out of the house except for to walk my dog around the neighborhood and Mm -hmm. and it in and and I just saw fear all over everyone's face and mm-hmm. this performance gospel that we've been talking about this this teaching that a lot of churches teach that that God is is punishing us for our disobedience and and, mm-hmm. and all of this kind of stuff and you know I I got to thinking the other day and I I posted it on Facebook about how I've even seen some people post it on Facebook that cr- the coronavirus that COVID nineteen is a judgment from God and that he is pouring it out on our disobedience and that we need to, you know, turn to him and, and pray and he'll heal our land. And, and it, it it's such a heartbreaking thing to think that so many people, especially, I, I, I mean, I live in the Bible belt. Um, yeah. and, and uh, in in the mountains of North Carolina, we have snake handling churches. We have your mountain Pentecostal churches. We have your um, we have your churches where women aren't allowed to wear jeans. You know, we have yeah, uh, all sorts that's of churches. Ba- that's
1: the Baptist church, and I, I didn't wear pants when I
0: was going to Baptist <laughs> church. So, I
1: couldn't go uh, to movies. I couldn't wear pants.
0: Yeah, uh, so it's. <laughs> you know and and i i was out and i i talked to the the cashier and i was like how are you coping with all of this and she said mm-hmm. that she's having a hard time because she sees so many people um you know coming into the store and reacting out of fear and um mm-hmm. and and i'll admit some of that fear has kind of gotten a hold of me and and mm-hmm. and i don't want to be fearful i don't want to be afraid you know, I don't know if I'm healthy enough to withstand this thing if I happen to catch it, um, and, you know, so that's kind of driven some of my decision-making process, um, mm-hmm. but I want to just go ahead and say that the coronavirus was not created by God. It was not poured mm-hmm. out upon all mankind because of our disobedience. None of that's that. right is true and if you're hearing it if you're hearing it from your pastors if you're hearing it from your church if you're hearing it from your believing friends that is a lie from the pit of hell if there ever was one because i i i just don't believe that papa would ever do something like that to his kids. And uh, I just wanted yeah. to kind of send this encouragement out to anyone that may be listening to this uh, podcast that, you know, we're all having to self-contain. We're all having to self-quarantine and social distance, but this is not something the enemy did or that, that, that God did. And, and, and don't even blame the enemy because the enemy's defeated.
1: Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 That- jesus came that we might have life and life more abundant and we become what we behold so we continue to i continue to feel holy spirit drawing me to gaze upon jesus christ our lord and who he is and allowing him to you know like i was not burying my head in the sand um but to fill me with so much love that it he, he his, himself devours fear and makes the reality of who he is greater than anything that i might fear in the world on this earth as i live um so since i live and breathe and have my being in him i am able to continue to feel his love and his love just just does not allow fear it they can't dwell together and um so if you're feeling fearful oh thank you father for your goodness if you're feeling fearful um it's okay um it's not your fault um you're not a bad believer you're not a bad christian it's not that you don't have enough faith it's okay First of all, you know, I would say stop trying to fix, not you know, being fearful, or stop trying to make yourself not be afraid. Um, instead, just look at Jesus and let Him love you, and that allowing Him to know that know that you're in union with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and that you didn't do that. You didn't do anything to get there. There's nothing you can do to remove yourself from that truth. And in that place of absolute, perfect, uncreated light, uncreated love, uncreated life, you are held. Oh, Lord. And it's so real. It's more real than any fear that we might experience. And so he is able to take those places where we might feel fearful, where we feel out of control, where we feel, a lot of people are feeling just the pressure of the unknown. What does this mean? What's going to happen? You know, and what I love is that his grace is for right now, for this moment, in this moment, I live and breathe in him. And so in this moment, I I can feel his love. I can feel held in his embrace. I can feel that he has me and he loves me and he wants what's good for me. And um, there's healing, there's freedom, there's life in him. Um, So, you know, I don't know if that helps to speak to, you know, what you were bringing, uh, James, about you feeling fearful. I know it kind of sounds, sometimes it sounds so mystical and so lofty that it feels like it's not tangible or, you know, how do I hold on to that? And all I can say is that, um, you know, that scripture that you were talking about in Chronicles, I know I've heard a lot of people quoting that, that if we will, you know, heed to his commandments and repent and obey, then he will hear our cry and he will heal our land. We look at the Old Testament and see it through the lens of Jesus Christ, um, which is what we have now is the new covenant in Christ Jesus. And if we see that Christ has been our mediator for everything, then even in that scripture, Christ has fulfilled that for us. He has called out to the Lord. He has repented. His repentance is our repentance. His crying out is ours. His obedience is ours. He he um, he translates that to us. And so if we can find that we are in him, all that has been fulfilled and we have been healed. And so we can live in the reality of what the cross dictates over us rather than anything else that the world might be saying. I would say, you know, take the necessary precautions, you know, wash your hands and stay, um, you know, indoors and as you you know, but, but I do feel that there is that um, fear and being trans, you know, translated throughout um, our communities, just based on um, a lot of unknowns, really speculations. Um, you know, people wanting to know, I need to, I need information. I need to know, I need to know what this is. I need to know how to fix it. I need to know how long this is going to last. And um, really the, you know, we can't control any of that. All we can control is where we're going to set our attention, where we're going to set our focus and where we're going to set our gaze. And he says to fix our thoughts and our gaze on him, that if our eye is single, our whole body is, filled with the uncreated light of Christ Jesus, Father and Holy Spirit. And in that light, there is no darkness. So, at all. <laughs> at all. No shadow, no turning. He is life. He is the life. He is the way and the only true reality.
0: Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. And when you look at that through the lens of Jesus, you know, we are already in Jesus and even the world is already in Jesus. But when you set your mind on the world system of performance, that's when you start being filled with the fear and, and all of that kind of stuff, which is, you know, I, I think, uh, I think that's an important message that, that everyone needs to hear, um, in in this season specifically and who knows maybe this whole thing is happening because maybe god just wants us to be more introspective and and to to rest more maybe that maybe he's just giving us an opportunity to rest more
1: <laughs> well agape as you know aga is um lead to and puo is rest and so we get our word agape from agapuo which is to lead to rest, and his love leads us to rest, and when we 're at rest, guess what? we get to think clearly, we, we become creative, we become imaginative, our cells vibrate i, I don 't know if people believe in you know cells vibrating, but cells do vibrate our you know all atoms, molecules vibrate, and they vibrate with life when we are feeling loved. Um, and, and when we're feeling fear, we actually, it makes you stress. Fear makes you stress. Stress makes you fearful, vice versa. And that makes you stupid. It makes you dumb. It makes you not be able to think clearly or think rationally. And so then that kind of becomes a loop. So we have to be mindful that when we, when our, when we look at love himself dwelling in us, he wants us to experience life and feel confident and feel secure and feel creative and, and imaginative and um, free, not you know locked in a loop of you know darkness and confusion and I don't know and then you know kind of dumbs us down and those are those are kind of scientific kind of things that, that scientists have found as they have studied people in stressed conditions. So, um, you know, that love is definitely the freedom for us to be able to rise above and think clearly and see clearly. And that is that he is, he is supreme. He is supreme authority and all other things are under his feet, including COVID-19. Amen. <laughs> yeah. I I, can't remember. I, I, I was being silly one day and I wrote Corona Victus and Victus is, um, corona in spanish is the crown and i just see the crown of christ jesus our king king of kings and victus is you know victory or um including in the way of life and so i feel like you know his his crown crowns us with victory and his way of life you know and um so even even in death even in death, he is victorious. Oh, death, where is your sting? You know, oh, death, oh, grave, where is your victory? He has overcome even death by his own death. So even in that, we don't have to be afraid.
0: Amen. <laughs> this is good, Melinda. Thank you for uh, taking the time out of your day to spend with me on the uh, the first uh, coronavirus stuck in your house podcast. Um, we <laughs> Thank will,
1: you for including me. It's been a pleasure.
0: <laughs> I will probably do a few more of these this week. Uh, I've got a few other requests to be on and, and, uh, I did send a, uh, uh, I, and I don't know how far it'll go. I think it would be really neat if it actually happened, but, um, I tweeted, uh, Rhett and Link and invited them on the podcast. Um, oh, that
1: would be so great.
0: Because I would love to talk with them. I mean, they're from North yeah. Carolina. Granted, they're more from the coast, and I'm I I'm from the Piedmont of North Carolina, but now I live in the mountains. So um, but you know, uh, he made one thing that was kind of a, he made a statement on his deconstruction video that I thought was really interesting, and he said that deconstruction in North Carolina is impossible. And mm. and I wanted to share with him that it's not. <laughs> right. <laughs> Cuz <'Cause> I did. <laughs> Even though I've lost a lot of relationships in the process, you know, I've gained a lot in the process as well. So
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: But uh anyway, we're going to go ahead and uh start wrapping up this uh episode. Uh we've uh spent about an hour and 15 minutes in conversation. I hope Uh, as you're listening to this podcast uh, listeners, that you are blessed to hear the testimony of Melinda and um, our words of encouragement and peace, Mm. specifically Melinda's words of peace, because I'm sitting over here almost about to fall asleep and rest with her uh, uh, beautiful (laughs) words because they're Mm -hmm. filled with the rest of Jesus. And, you know, and that's Mm -hmm. the thing that I want to make sure that everybody hears is that um that we can be at peace and that we can be without fear because Christ in us the hope of glory mm-hmm. and yeah. uh and and I think that's a very important message so um thanks for tuning in, melinda thank you for uh joining me on the podcast um we're gonna go ahead thank and stop you, recording. Thank you all right. So we just had a great conversation with Melinda and uh, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you uh, were able to hear the hope and the joy in our conversation. And I hope you were able to pull away something that made your day better. So before we close out the end of the podcast, I just wanted to invite you to uh, go to com, where you can click on my t-shirt link at the very top and you can actually browse the t-shirts that are available on my Teespring store, and you can also click on the link that uh, takes you to my Amazon store, which allows you to purchase The Song of You, which is the devotional that we talked about a little bit in the very beginning. Anyway, I just want to kind of share this with you today. If you liked the video, share it with your friends. Tell them about it. Send Melinda a friend request because she's an amazing friend to have on Facebook. But uh, I just uh, wanted to share this with you today and share the hope and the joy that is found in Jesus. Love you guys, and I hope you have a great day. And uh, come back and check us out later this week because I hope to have another episode uh, either tomorrow or within the next few days. But uh, until then, take care of yourself. Be safe. And uh, love each other as Jesus loved us.